Good evening and welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Help me welcome Tanner, who's up here to get us started with a joke. Hi, I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Tanner. How you guys doing tonight? <clears throat> Drunk driving. It seems a gentleman had too much alcohol at a party, was heading home, and was pulled over by a state trooper. Upon being tested, the fellow couldn't walk a straight line more than he could drive one. So the trooper wrote out a ticket and had just given it to the driver before an accident in the opposite lane took his attention to more important matters. The inebriated driver, fearing that the trooper wasn't coming back to him, drove home and went to bed. He was awakened the next morning by a knock at the door, created by two more state troopers. Are you Mr. Johnson, he asked. He admitted he was. Were you pulled over at Main Street last night for driving under the influence? Again, the man admitted that he was. And what did you do then, the troopers asked. The man replied that he drove his car home and went to bed. Where's your car now, the troopers inquired. The man answered that it was in the garage. May we see the car, asked the troopers. The man answered, sure, and opened the garage. Inside the garage was the state trooper's car. Thank you, Tanner. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Barry. Barry. Thank you for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. Please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise and will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God, let the craziness of the day drift away, and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready?
now we are going to read the fog light prayer, which is up on the screen and also to my left. God, let your love shine through us like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through us. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Shannon to read Spiritual Experience. By Shannon, I mean Paul. You read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. Hi, family. Paul, recovered alcoholic. Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of a spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is proof, there is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance that principle, his contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer, Alcoholics Anonymous, page 576. 
Thank you, Paul. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so everybody turn the phones off. As we mentioned, Peter is away this evening. Keep him in your thoughts as he travels. And it's an honor and a privilege to introduce tonight's speaker. Uh, we all know it here in this room. I know it, but not everyone knows that we alcoholics are not a glum lot. And this man is a testament to that. He also brings a very powerful, spiritual, and inspirational message. It's my pleasure. Please help me introduce Doc. Thanks so much, Doc Alcoholic. And I am really privileged to be here. And I thank God they wrote it down. Because I got sober um, February 22nd, 1990. And through the grace of God and the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, I haven't had a drug or a drink since then. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. But uh, during that 29 plus years, I have heard a lot of crazy stuff come out of a lot of different meetings that I can't find in the book anywhere, you know? And, and so a lot of my talks are really to try to bring us back to the book. And um, I have to say, before I start, I, I, I'm really happy to be at this meeting. This meeting is awesome. I mean, it looks great. The people here are so welcoming. Uh, everything is organized. It's just beautiful. It's great. I'm so glad that I normally dress with a sports jacket and a nice shirt, and I had no idea I was going to be up on a stage. So I'm really glad that I didn't wear like my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with stupid t-shirt and uh, red tennis shoes that uh, God just uh, directed me to be here. Um, it, it's what a nice introduction, you know? There used to be times when I was drinking and everything that goes behind my singleness of purpose. I believe in the singleness of purpose, by the way. Um, I realize that every alcoholic I've ever met has other issues, you know? And, but they fall in line behind our alcoholism. You know, um, over the years, they called alcoholism different names. The actual disease, uh, 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 dipsotheria, I think they called it, dipso this and dipso that. But uh, that was back in the old days. Young people don't know what the DTs were, you know. That's, that's old talk in the big books. Um, I wish they called it like Wilson's disease or something like that. Because then we wouldn't go like, well, you know, alcohol wasn't my first choice. No, I didn't know there was a choice until I got here, and I heard people, I didn't go through rehab, I came in off the street, and I'll tell you about that in just a second, but I heard like, what was your drug of choice? A drug of choice, I, you know, there was a choice? I didn't know there was a choice. My drug of choice is, what have you got? That's my favorite of the moment right now, you know, and, and I didn't think I was an alcoholic when I got here. You know, and I, I certainly wasn't a drug addict, but I believe in the singleness of purpose. I believe that if we start saying, well, we're here for alcoholism, which is the entire disease, right? Not just, not just the addiction to alcohol, but the book describes it. I can, I can say it right here on page uh, eight in Roman numerals. So it's not even part of the real book, right? <laughs> in Roman numerals, in the forward to the first edition, it says... Um, we of Alcoholics Anonymous, that'd be you and me, right, are more than 100 men and women, that's still true, more than, who have recovered. So I'm not 
you know, you hear about recovering alcoholics. I'm not one of them. Um, I have recovered, not from alcoholism, like the fly page says, by the way, the fly page says, have recovered how many thousands, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. No, this says, have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Right? And that's two parts of the threefold nature of, of man. Right? That men, all men, all humans, right? That includes woe-mans and man-mans, uh, are made up of three parts. And uh, it's been illustrated uh, many times. Clarence Larkin drew, drew a, uh, a great diagram in 1919 of soma, which is Greek for body. And inside that is uh, psyche, which is Greek for soul. It's where our mind is, because that's where all our experiences reside. And then inside that is pneuma, which means breath in Greek, but it also means spirit. So that's where spirit, and and right in the middle is a little spark of God, which is what Bill Wilson talks about in the big book, down deep inside every man, woman, and child, is the fundamental idea of God. And, And in the end, we find that that's the only place you can find him, is what the big book talks about. So here it listed two of those parts are broken, seemingly hopeless, right? A seemingly hopeless state of mind, that's the psyche, that's where our soul is, that's where all of our experiences are. And I'm an omnist, by the way, excuse me, I'm an omnist, by the way. I know that there, I feel, I believe that there are truth in almost every religious mythology and just... To call it a mythology doesn't mean it's false. It just means a series of stories that illustrates belief. Uh, I have some primary uh, belief systems that I like. I like the Judeo-Christian belief system. I'm also a Buddhist, which has nothing to do with God. It has to do with how to treat fellow human beings, right? I also see a lot of wisdom in the Quran. I I love some of the, the amazing stories in Hinduism. I don't worship those gods, that's all. And I don't expect anybody to take my understanding of God as their own. Um, But I do look for people who will worship with me. You know, I look for fellowship all over the place. I live within the God of this book. So when I get up here and talk about God, it's a title, not a name, right? And your name may be different than my name. And your understanding may be different. And it doesn't give a gender to my God, and it doesn't give any personality to my God to refer to my God as God. Because I'm talking about what the big book says. It says, that power is God, may you find him now. Right? And we hope you do find him. If you're new, and you've, you've kind of looked the other way, we're showing you an easy way to recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind, the psyche, and body, soma, around it. Now, why doesn't it mention the spirit? Because the spirit doesn't get warped from alcoholism, right? The spirit is actually what's going to heal the mind and body, according to this program. We don't get healed by making lists or making amends or praying every night. You can't pray yourself well, you know? I think Jim Morrison said that, right? You can't petition God. God cannot be petitioned. You can't. You can't. That's, that's, 
ignoring step one. When we go, you know, my life is, is a mess, so I'm going to get on my knees and pray harder and stronger. That's what the 12 and 12 says we do wrong. It says when, it, whenever we try to be stronger or think more, more intellectual, at that point we separate ourselves from God. And at that point, a consciousness, a contact with God, a true faith is impossible to have. So at the moment I think, well, things aren't getting done the way I think they should be, so I'll pray harder, I've just separated myself from God, right? It's a, it, it, it's a, it's a tough thing to learn. It takes us a long time to learn it. I've seen newcomers that get it, lose it, get it again. Old timers that never get it. To show other alcoholics precisely in italics, and I often mention that when they made these books, they were lead typeset. That means some guy took a little letter and set it in a little block to make these pages to be printed. And it cost more to have italics set. It's, it wasn't like computers where you just hit the little eye and it changes it, right? They had to actually do work. So anytime you read italics in the big book or 12 and 12, it means they spent extra money to get your attention. So it says, in italics, precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. I'm not in Alcoholics Anonymous uh, to get sober or stay sober. I'm not. I didn't come in here to get sober. Uh, I got sober, and I've stayed sober. But the reason I'm here is, is this. The reason I'm here is 12. The reason I'm here is that I truly, in the, the, the deepest recess of my heart, believe that I and you and all of us in this program have been personally handpicked by God to save other people's lives. That if you go through the stories of men and deities, whether it's old Jewish stories in the Torah or the, or the uh, prophets, or whether it's Christian stories, or whether it's uh, any, any, any known religions, or even odd religions you will find that the relationship between deities and human beings are unique in the fact that they almost always pick misfit human beings to represent the deities, right? Almost every, right, almost every chosen human by a deity, by God, is going to be a misfit. And they almost always say, why me? And that's you. And you are alive today, I promise you. I, you know, I mentioned it Tuesday night. I said, almost all of us could give a good, amazing, how I escape death story, right? I'm only here because God did something, intervened, and here I am, right? And he dragged your butt off of that red Naugahyde bar stool, the cracked, squeaky one, and threw you in here. Now, I didn't want to be in here. But I'm here because I believe what it says on page 124. It says, in God's hands, our darkest past will become our most precious possession. It's the key to the lives of others. Right? With it, we can separate them from misery and sometimes death. Right? So all the things, Chris and I were talking about it driving up. Where is he? There he is. Tall, handsome guy. We're talking about that driving up here, that, that I'm not ashamed of all the horrible things that happened in my life or that I did. 
because God allowed that to happen so that I can connect on a level unlike any other human being with someone who is ashamed of what they're doing right now. And they look and go, you're just like me. And I'll tell you, it's so funny. I have a sponsee who's now 20. And he was 18 when he came to me. And I spoke down at Brickell. And at one point I mentioned that I had a hypodermic in my pocket and my mom did my laundry in high school and found the the syringe. And she goes, oh my God, Doc, you're not doing heroin, are you? I said, no, 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 Mom. Cocaine, don't worry. It's just... (laughs) It's, it's not heroin. It's not that bad stuff. It's the same stuff that Sigmund Freud and Sherlock Holmes and, you know, us smart guys do. And my mom was relieved, right? And this young man heard me and he comes up after and he says to me, he says, uh, will you be my sponsor? And I told him what I tell everyone who asked me to be their sponsor, no. I said, I'm a terrible sponsor. I'm never in town. I travel all over. Um, you can't get a hold of me. My hours are bizarre. Like sometimes I'll go to bed at five in the morning and, and wake up at three in the afternoon. I don't know. You know, sometimes I'll be up for, it's just weird. It's just weird. And my life is weird. And so no. And he says, okay, then I'll call you every day. (laughs) I said, why, why? Well, you told my story. No, I didn't. You're 18. You know, how can I possibly tell your story? Somehow. Now, I got to tell you, I'm so proud of that. I don't, I don't want to get close to my... I don't use sponsee anymore. I use a book out of... A word out of the 12 and 12, protege, right? That makes me the opposite of a protege is a mentor. That makes me a mentor, not a sponsor. And so I may have lots of proteges that I don't sponsor, right? And so now we're not... You know, they don't get so hung up that like if they can't get a hold of me or if they take something personally or if they want to break off the relationship. We're not divorced now. Right? It's just a protege that goes on about his path, you know, just like Aristotle and those guys, without that deeper Aristotle in connection, you know. Only the intellectuals got that. So, um, he has come so far because he's willing. But see, I bring him up because that's a God thing. That's a God thing. I had no intention and no, I could not ever figure out why the heck he picked me. We have nothing in common, right? He's not even an American-born citizen. He's a citizen, but English isn't his first language, right? It's crazy. He's crazy. He was on 10 different psych drugs when I met him. And then his doctor, as, as he progressed, his doctor said, well, you don't need these. And he's not on those anymore. And his parents called me and says, well, what's going on? He'd have anxiety attacks and we'd drop him off at a counselor. He'd be there for an hour, $350, and come out the same as when he went in. Now he calls you and 10 minutes later, he's fine. And she said, so I asked him what you say. And he says, well, he just calls me on my BS and and I got nowhere to go. And then I'm just okay. (laughs) Great, great, right? I'm not doing that. God's doing that. I believe that's the only way we recover in this. I believe what page 133 says. And I was saying it's such a nice introduction that when I was was getting drunk and and everything behind that, you know, I would show up at, at house parties and sometimes they'd open the door and go, oh, he's here again. 
right? That guy's here. And now it's, it's, it's the opposite. They go, oh, great, he's here. You know? Now people don't have to worry about leaving their coat on the chair when I'm around. You know? Not that I ever did that, but that's, the, the, that's what, I, you know, well, I did. But not that I actually, not that they knew that I did. But, it, you know, you put out that vibe that you're a criminal. I was a terrible criminal, by the way. Terrible criminal. Every time I tried to be a criminal, I was just, I got caught. I tried to deal drugs. I did all the drugs. I was my best, you know. But I wrote it all down. I owe me, you know, $200 for it. And, I was just terrible, just terrible. I went to jail a lot, but I only went to jail for like overnight. It was weird. And I didn't understand it until I got sober, right? And then we'd be getting on, you know, when you're, you're chained, well, maybe you don't know, but many of you do, you're chained together like a, like a charm bracelet, right? And, and getting on the bus to go to another county. And they call my name, they go, Doc, whatever, come get off. And I stop as I'm getting on the bus, handcuffed before and aft, and and they go, what? He goes, the, the judge has released you. Well, how? I'm not even in a state I live in. You know, how? And he says, you want to argue or do you want to go free? I'm done. I'm free. And they did that over and over. Now I know it's because God wanted me up here. Right? Well, we've been speaking to you of serious, sometimes tragic things, but we aren't a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun... In our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. I wish that's what they said to me the first 30 days I came in. Hey, welcome. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. Have a seat. (laughs) You know, but they didn't. They said, sit down, shut up. Because it was old timer stuff. I came into a room that was all mustard colored. It was originally white, but they smoked. And it was old people. It was all guys like this. They look, their faces look like brown paper bags that had been crun- crumpled up, you know. And the first meeting I went to, oh my God. I had no idea what was going on. See, because I didn't get sober in AA. I had a girlfriend, one of many. If bartenders had been ministers, I would have been married an infinite number of times, right? Because there is no love like that between two alcoholics. Male and female, male to male, female to female, it's all the same. When you're drunk and that person's drunk, there is a bond that is like no other, you know? (laughs) I love you, man. I love you, man. No, I mean, I love you, man. Me too. What's your name, dude? (laughs) I don't know. And so I fell in love with some woman in a bar, you know, because like Charles Bukowski called a, a, an angel in distress, right? Charles Bukowski was a great American poet and a, and a hideous drunk, you know, drank himself to death. And, uh, and that's exactly what described, I could go into a dark bar and it would just be black and you couldn't see anything. And all of a sudden over in the corner, there'd be this heavenly light that just fell down upon some woman and I'd see her in the corner of the bar and it would be an angel in distress. And I knew that that was God's will for me to be at that bar at that time and to save that woman, right? And so uh, one particular one, you know, she turned out to be a screamingly horrible alcoholic. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. You can come to other meetings for that. I, I dropped her off in an AA meeting. 
And uh, 30 days later, her uh, sponsor told her to move out because I was still getting high and drinking. And I said, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not drinking. I'm having beer. Beer is not drinking. Right? It's not. I know. Because I've had guys... I had an old man in Texas. We were sitting in his garage in the summertime with the door up, and we are drinking warm Carlton Black Labels. And he says, he says, Doc, just stick with beer. You'll never be an alcoholic. He goes, I've been drinking about a case a day for 20 years, and I am not an alcoholic, so see, it works. I said, okay, I'm not drinking. She says, but you're doing drugs. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not. No drugs at all. Now, previous to this, I spent the 80s in the uh, music business. So I was on tour as a stage manager for Alice Cooper and Black Sabbath and Aerosmith and then a lot of R&B bands like Cool and the Gang and all of those. And so we did, we did lots of Chevis Regal and we snorted a lot of alcohol and occasionally dropped some alcohol and... Uh, <laughs> Smoked a lot of alcohol and uh, even occasionally even, you know, shot up a little alcohol. So, so I, was, I didn't know I was an alcoholic, but, but I was. And I said, you know, I, I'm not doing any drugs at all. I'm just smoking weed. And she goes, but that's a drug. I said, no, it's not. It's a flower that God put on the earth for us to use. In fact, I truly believed, I truly believed that cocaine was made by scraping off the little white crystals on the underside of the leaves of coca plants. I truly believe that hashish was made by letting... I, I'm, I'm not making this up. I believe this. Letting nude Moroccan girls run through fields of marijuana and then scraping the, the resin off of their brown bodies and rolling them into hashish temple balls. So I really believe that was true. So I thought it was all very organic and therefore could not be a drug, right? It was just exactly as God intended. And at the time, I, was, I had been in college and out of college and in college, and finally I got tired of that, and I said, I'm just going to keep studying, and then I'll go uh, register again, and I'll, I'll just challenge all the classes and pass them and get a degree, and, which was stupid, but I thought I could do it. So I'm studying. I'm actually, I started in physics, and then I switched over to... Uh, uh, theology and went to uh, uh, left the University of New Mexico and went to the University of Albuquerque, which was a Jesuit college. And so they started teaching me about God. Now, my life has fallen apart and my girlfriend is gone. And uh, she's a member of this thing, a cult called Alcoholics Anonymous. And her cult leader has told her she has to move out. And I'm the one that took her to AA because she's the one with the problem, not me. And yet I'm being punished. And I thought, well, I, so I prayed and I said, God, what, what, what's, what am I doing wrong? Maybe, uh, I know, I'm not keeping the Sabbath holy. That's my whole problem. If I would just quit working on Sunday, everything would come back, right? Didn't occur to me, you know, drugs and alcohol was my problem because I didn't think I had a problem. I, uh, I was reading one night uh, about the Apostle Paul. And I was reading this little book uh, called An Ordinary Businessman. And it was written by this, uh, this minister that went to uh, Chile uh, to work. And it, he and his family were there. And uh, there was no one to meet him at the airport. They just left him a Jeep and a map. And so he had to drive through this uh, you know, rainforest jungle 
to get to the uh, ministry where he was, he was going to work. And on the way, they break an axle, and they're up to their knees in mud. And so I'm reading this. At the same time, I'm drinking a beer and actually breaking some buds on the uh, book. And uh, thank you, God. And, and, and it says, uh, Philippians 4.4, 4, it says, Rejoice, again I say rejoice. Right? Rejoice in the Lord, again I say rejoice. And the, the, the author says that his wife said that and that he corrected her. And he says, well, he didn't mean on stuff like this, right? How do you rejoice that the, the axle is broken, the baby's crying, we're in, the, in a jungle in Chile, and nobody knows where we are? How do I rejoice about that? And his wife, not the minister, right? Not the pastor. The wife says, no, that's especially when you rejoice. And I stopped and took the pipe out of my mouth and set the beer down and thought, there's no way God wants me to rejoice that I can't stop this. Because see, I had tried for weeks and weeks to stop the pot and the beer. I had stopped all the other drugs. Every drug you can think of. I, for a while, right, I've been 29 years sober. For a while I thought, well, I never did ecstasy until I found out it, it, it was MDMA and oh yeah, I bought a quarter pound of that in powder form back in the 70s, I forgot. So I already did lots of it before it was called ecstasy, right? They were calling it peace back then and love and it was, and it was awesome. But, but, right? And so I put all that away and all the whiskeys and all the heavy and then the, 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 the liqueurs that, you know, only, only the classy people get drunk on. I would drink, you're supposed to drink one little sip of, of Perrineau, which tastes like anise, like licorice. But I would drink the whole bottle, right? Because that's how you do it. I'd put that all away and I said, and God, but I couldn't stop. I had to have a couple beers or a joint just to take the edge off. I couldn't stop. I couldn't get to zero. Right? And so I changed my morality going, well, this is zero. But it wasn't. And I've said before, you can't launch a rocket 99%. That's a failure. You can't. Don't get on a plane where the, the, the captain of the plane says, we're going to take off eh, about 99%. Because that means you don't get off the ground and you die. Right? Don't get on a train from a platform and leave your foot 1% on the, on the platform. Because it'll rip you out of the train and you'll die. You cannot get 99% sober. You have to get 100% sober so that you can receive this God stuff. See, so that, so that the spirit where God is can then reset the soul, the psyche. That's like a warped record. Right? A warp, if you remember what records were like when it got a warp, the only way we could fix it is to put a weight on the needle. And you put a nickel on it so it doesn't jump. And then when it's, that won't work, you put another nickel on it until it's dragging and cutting in there. It still doesn't work. And that's what we did. We tried to, tried to cut back on our alcohol and everything behind that. Right? But it didn't work. And so I said, fine, fine, I will do it. I'll, I'll rejoice. And I got on my knees and I took the pot tray and I put it under the bed and I, and I put the can of beer away and I said, uh, on my knees, I said, okay, kind of resentfully. All right, God, you know me. We've been studying together for years, right? I got several translations of your Bible here. I know you. And uh, all right, yay, I rejoice. I rejoice that I cannot get sober. Yay. 
And, and, and I heard a voice in my head. And I, at then, and if you've heard me say this before, it's the same story. I thought it was insanity. I thought it was my own voice talking crazy. But it wasn't. It was, I now know it was God. And what I heard was, if you will ask me to remove it, I'll take it away and you will help thousands of people. And that's what made me think it was crazy because I wasn't talking about other people. I, was, I wanted to get my girlfriend back. That's all. I wanted to learn how to turn it off when I wanted to and then go back and turn it on and get drunk when I wanted to and turn it off and not get drunk for the rest of the week. I just wanted control of it. And I said, fine, I heard that in my head. And from that moment on, I haven't had a drug or, or a drink. And the very next day, I went to an AA meeting. And oddly enough, now, I do help thousands of people. So, so I know that was God's voice, because that was never my intent. I went to a meeting, and I thought, oh, my God, this is the craziest cult I've ever seen. <laughs> I came in. It was dark. It was awful. It was smoky. It was old people. They were all cranky. The first thing, they, they give away chips on the first one at the first of the meeting, and it said, who wants a 24-hour chip? And I knew I had been sober 23 hours, so I didn't raise my hand. And at the end of the meeting, while they're sweeping up, I came up and I said, excuse me, sir, to the guy up front, right? I said, I have 24 hours now. Could I get a chip? It's, it was this chip right here. And, and, and I know what he thought. He thought then, he goes like, oh yeah, this guy just didn't want to raise his hand. But then I thought it was very strange because he goes, yeah, sure, here, go. I was like, oh, okay, thanks, right? It, didn't, it meant nothing to him. It meant everything to me. But when I heard them talk, they were talking about a girlfriend. Another guy was talking about his job. And I thought, Cry, I'm in the wrong place, right? Nobody's talking about alcohol. They're talking about all this peripheral stuff, you know? And then they kept talking about the big book, the big book. I thought that was the Bible, right? Because that's the only big book. I know, not the big book, the big book, Right? And so I thought, well, the big book is the Bible, right? And I went over and I took a peek and I went, oh my God, they've written their own Bible. <laughs> this is just crazy. And then some woman got up and spoke. She had 10 years sober. I can't tell you what she said, but I was sitting in the back row and, and I just wept. I just wept. I didn't cry. I mean, I just gushed. And I don't know what she said, except I related. And that relation is that, that golden gift of our dark past being transformed. And today I have one purpose in life, right? I enjoy life. I enjoy swimming up to my neck in trouble, right? Because that's life. And I know that I'm truly chosen by God, as you are, to help others. And I, and I know page 77 says why I'm here and what my life is devoted for. It says... Our true purpose is to be best fitted, like outfitted, like a soldier, like a, like a fireman, to be best fitted to be of maximum service to God and to those about us. And today, that's, that's first and foremost on my prayers. Also in my prayers is that I thank God that I do have this disease. Because without it, I would never have been prompted to rise up to the level that I see things from now. The spirituality that gives me this God consciousness where I have an actual relationship with a loving, forgiving God that I can share with other human beings and know that my presence on the earth makes the earth a little bit better rather than a little bit worse. 
and I thank you all very much for asking me to come here, Doc Alcoholic. As a token of our appreciation for filling in on short notice, if I can get you to come back <laughs> up here. Just a couple things to go with the coffee mug, the fridge, and an honorary pen. Oh, super. Um, Thank, you so Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Next, Josiah is going to give us a secretary's report. <clears throat> Wow, uh, tough to follow that with a secretary report, but I'll, I'll try. Guys, my name is Josiah. I'm a recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. I have asked Javier to read the recovered statement. Alcoholic Javier. We are not cured of alcoholism, recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime, but we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you. Thank you, Avi. <clears throat> 1940s style, big book sponsorship. From the fourth to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and um, among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, and come to believe and experienced is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. <clears throat> Could I get a show of hands for recovered alcoholics? Is there anyone in the group tonight that needs a sponsor? Anyone at all? Man, woman, or child? No? All right. Well, if you do need a sponsor and you're too shy to stand up or raise your hand, please get with someone that raised their hand after the meeting, uh, and we're going to get you back to God with God. All right. Uh, please join us Monday nights for the Big Book Study meeting on the uh, third floor of this building um, where the Big Book comes alive. Fellowship is at 630. And the study starts at 7.15. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, and little red books and big book dictionaries for sale in the back, right beside Mike Chase. Um, we meet every Thursday starting... Oh, slides. Thank you. Uh, I forgot that. So, uh, Broward County Intergroup. Uh, serving Broward County. Uh, their <laughs> office hours... Their office hours and website are posted right up there. Volunteer opportunities. We have some great handouts for this in the back. Um, if you need any more information about it, get with uh, one of the group members. Member service keeps us sober. Uh, Broward County Institutions Committee. The monthly business meetings start at 10 a.m. 
Uh, and I think the next one is going to be the 14th. So you got about a month to plan for that. Um, the gratitude dinner planning meeting is the 25th of this month. And uh, it's going to be at the Sober Today Club in Hollywood. District 9 spaghetti dinner. Come enjoy some spaghetti and meatballs uh, with tossed salad and rolls. And the tickets are, the tickets are $8. Um, there's a general service, District 9, quarterly area assembly. Why, why is that feedback like that? Um, the sun always shines in District 9. It's going to be October 4th through one more early timers meeting. Uh, we need three speakers with 25 more years of recovery. That's going to be October 12th, uh, 2019. And this meeting, Alcoholics and God. Um, every Thursday, thank you so much. Um, that was a one-time thing, but Doc will be coming back, um, I believe, after Pat, after Pat finishes his series. January 1st, he's going to be coming back. 2020! <laughs> um, thank you so much, guys. We're going to see you all here next week. Um, remember, every Thursday, promptly at 7.15, please be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Uh, one more quick thing, guys. Let's uh, please respect the church and wait till we're 75 feet away from the building or the doors to uh, smoke or vaporize. See you next week, guys. As Josiah mentioned, we do have tonight's session and all other sessions available for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. If you'd like to hear more of Doc, I know he has some incredible sessions regarding the traditions at mikechasebeta.org. And we'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study. And for those who wish to thank Doc in person, please line up down the center aisle. Let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Who will bring us from shame to grace? Too much accumulation
possessions that I have amount to nothing at all. Shining through 
time Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. 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 Everywhere
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
did see the light. Count my blessings while I go to sleep at night, and I dream now. Yeah, I dream now, and everything's alright. <laughs> oh man. Going on 10 years old, that song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.